Have you ever taken a test where uh, one of the questions you have to answer, uh, you wrestle with? Um, maybe it's because it's a question that you can answer in so many different ways. I, I don't like those kinds of questions, uh, survey things or different types of questions where the answer could be a number of things. Then you wonder, do I have the right answer? Did I pick the best one? How will I be evaluated if I, if I answer the first time in a way that maybe isn't as... Uh, much what the asker was going for. We're going to look at uh, another one of the questions that Jesus brings up this morning. Uh, in, our, in our attempt to understand who Jesus is, part of that understanding comes in the way he interacts with his disciples. And so we're going to look at uh, this morning passage from Mark 10, uh, verses 32 through 45. And there we read these words. And they were on the road going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking ahead of them. And they were amazed, and those who followed were afraid. And taking the twelve again, he began to tell them, what was to happen to him, saying, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles, and they will mock him and spit on him and flog him and kill him, and after three days he will rise. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your glory. Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? And they said to him, We are able. And Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. And when the ten heard it, they began to be indignant at James and John. And Jesus called them to him and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. 
May God give us wisdom as we consider these words this morning. Uh, in, our, in our study of Mark's Gospel, uh, under the sermon series, Who is Jesus? The more you know the answer to that question, the more you'll be able to understand what he would ask of you. And so we're going to look at that today. And we're going to, we're going to uh, take the, the sermon title and we're going to put it into uh, three different questions. Um, how would you respond first when you see the path of Jesus? That's, a, that's an important uh, question for us to wrestle with as well. When you, see, when you see the path that Jesus is on, how do you respond to him? People have been following Jesus for a long time. Uh, in Jesus' day, it's, it's only for a few years that he has now a following of people. But since then, uh, the world is just uh, full of people that have been followers of Jesus on one level or another. And they follow him for many reasons. And we've, we've seen some of those in our, in our studies here already. People, people gather around Jesus and they follow him, uh, at least in proximity to him, for different reasons. They like his teachings. He taught in a way that amazed the people. They follow him because of the, the miracles that he does. They follow him for the healing that he brings. Another specific one of those types of miracles, the, the healings that he does, not just uh, maybe turning water into wine that we hear in uh, John's account, but uh, the healing that he provides. And we keep praying for that because we know Jesus is absolutely capable of that. And people knew that in Jesus' day too. They heard of the healings and so they would follow Jesus. They came and followed Jesus because... He gave them something to eat. When people were hungry, they, they expected Jesus to provide food, and he would. Some people followed because uh, no one else paid attention. People that were often marginalized in society. The leper. Uh, the, the woman with a bleeding issue people that were uh, looked down upon for different reasons, Jesus reached out to them and they wanted to follow him because of that. He paid attention to people. That's why people follow Jesus and we have our own reasons. But this is now the, the third time that um, Jesus is bringing a message of what his path looks like. Third time, this is the last time Jesus will tell his disciples about the, the road that lies ahead of him. The first time, if you remember, when Jesus uh, told his disciples that he was going to be handed over, uh, this, is, this is on the heels of, of Peter uh, finally getting a revelation from God that Jesus is the Messiah, and then Jesus talks about the road that lies ahead of him, and Peter rebukes him. The first time that he speaks to his disciples about the, 
the, the path that he's on, the reason that he's here, he's rebuked by Peter. They didn't quite get it, obviously. The second time, uh, they still didn't understand. We saw that um, in, in Mark, uh, in the last chapter, uh, 9 at 31. He was teaching the disciples, saying to them, the Son of Man is going to be delivered in the hands of men, and they'll kill him. And when he's killed, he'll rise on the third day. They were confused. The second time Jesus laid out his path for his disciples, they didn't understand yet. They were this time afraid to ask, probably because of the way Jesus responded to Peter. Nobody dared to ask this time. And now he said, we're going up to Jerusalem and he's going to be handed over to the priests, the scribes, They'll condemn him to death. They'll mock him, spit on him, flog him, and kill him. More detail. Jesus wants to make sure that those that are following him understand the path that he's on. That's, that's going to be important for one that follows. And so a third time now, Jesus speaks to his disciples about his own path. And he speaks to, again, disciples, followers of Jesus. And that's going to be important for any follower of any teacher or rabbi to understand what he's facing. Because if you, are, if you are associated with that teacher, that leader, that rabbi, this Jesus, because you are associated with him and you follow him, whatever he's heading for will affect you. And Jesus wants to make sure they know for certain what's ahead. They say if you want to Make sure somebody understands what you're saying. The, the, the impact that it's supposed to have, say it three times. Three times now Jesus has told his disciples what is going to happen to him so that they understand his mission as followers of him. In our, in our reading in Revelation, the, the, the whole gathering around Jesus at the throne said it without Doubt and question, holy, holy, holy. Three times. So there's no doubt that Jesus is the Holy One. And now three times He's speaking to His disciples to make sure they understand the path. So how would you respond to the question, what do you want me to do for you? That's the question that comes to these two, James and John, some of the inner circle, James and John specifically come to Jesus, and Jesus puts the question to them, what do you want me to do for you? That question has been asked in different ways throughout Scripture. So it's one that uh, we should have already been wrestling with, or the concept of it, 
Uh, so when it's asked here, it's not like it's the first time some, well, somebody asks, what, what do you want me to do? You know, King Ahasuerus asked Esther a question like that. What do, you, what do you want me to do for you? I'll give you up to half my kingdom. Elijah uh, asked Elisha as he was passing on the torch to him, uh, handing over the reins of uh, prophesying for the people to be that spokesperson for God. Elijah said to Elisha, what do you want me to give you? God asked Solomon, as Solomon was taking over uh, ruling of the kingdom from his father David, God came to Solomon and he said, what shall I do for you? And he, he basically gave him a blank check. There were, there were no other conditions around it. God says, what do you want me to do for you? Even in the New Testament already, we've seen uh, here in the book of Mark, uh, where King Herod asked of Herodias's daughter, what do you want me to do for you? And she asked for the head of John the Baptist. The person asking makes a huge difference. So if, if you have, um, you have a, a president of one of the largest known companies in your area or in the world, and they ask somebody, what do you want me to do for you? Or you have maybe the beggar on the street who's uh, feeling kind and, and generous, and he says, what do you want me to do for you? Your response would be hugely different based on who's asking. That's important for us to keep in mind. If my parents would say to me as a child, what can I do for you? Uh, compared to maybe uh, my friend's parents, there would be a difference in how I respond to that because I know what my parents have. I know what they have done in the past. Uh, I may be a little more reserved about my friend's parents because I don't want to seem imposing or I don't know exactly what they have to offer me. So the person asking makes a huge difference. It's also uh, important to understand uh, the person who's being asked. Not the one asking, but the person that the question comes to. That makes a difference in how you would answer the question, what do you want me to do for you? It, it may So going back to these extremes, if you ask that of a homeless person, maybe what he's seeking is shelter or food. And that's all he wants to ask. I just, and maybe you've seen that. I, do you have money that I could buy a sandwich today? Do you, have, do you have just enough that I can get through this time? And you come to the, the president of a large corporation, he's asking you, uh, what do you want? And you may say, I want a huge raise, or I want a bonus, or I want a, I want a big vacation, or whatever. And you know that this man has lots of things, but, but you there... As an employee, you ask from that perspective. You ask in that context. Maybe if you're sick, you ask for healing. If you've experienced the loss of a loved one, you ask for peace and grace and comfort. 
you ask out of your own need, necessity, circumstances. That's important for us to remember as well. Now Jesus is asking uh, two of his closest disciples. These are ones that get extra privilege of Jesus' time and attention. They were with him on the mount when he was transfigured. He's asking them. Jesus is asking them, what do you want me to do for you? Their answer? After everything that Jesus has been trying to tell his disciples, their answer? It isn't make me humble like the little child that you were talking about. It isn't equip me for for what you call me to do. It isn't give me more insight, give me more time with you. They're asking for power and position. We want to sit, one on your right, one on your left, the two most prominent places of position in society there. When one is seated on his throne... Uh, the one on his right is the next most important person and the one on his left after that. And they're asking for the most prominent positions in Jesus' kingdom. Now there is a growing understanding of the disciples that he has that kind of influence maybe. They're beginning to understand that his kingdom is, is beyond what they see but they're asking for the two best seats in the house. When when that comes out, um, it, it reveals where the disciples are at in their understanding. Growing, yes, Still really missing the mark. Even after all the things that have been said already here in these last uh, few weeks that we've looked at, how Jesus has addressed them and shown what it is to be a disciple, what, what entrance into the kingdom looks like. The other thing we would need to wrestle with is how would you respond when Jesus shows you the way? Because in Jesus answering the question to these two disciples, He lays out a path for them. And that's going to be important for us. First you need to understand the the way of the leader. And you need to understand that he's asking and he's asking you, but he's also then giving them an insight as to what a follower will look like, what the path of those that are disciples of Jesus will look like ahead. As much as he showed his own path, he wants to make sure they understand their own path. Do you know what you're asking? 
Do you even understand the question that you're asking? He, he, he puts it back on them. I don't think you get it. You want to sit here and here? Do you realize what it will cost me to sit here? And if you want to follow me, you need to understand that. And as of yet, they don't. They don't understand that, that to be able to sit in that place means to follow Jesus to that place. He said, do you think you can, you think you can follow in my footsteps in such a way that you could drink the cup that I'm about to drink and be baptized with the baptism with which I'm going to be baptized with? Both of these things would have meant for them clearly that there's going to be some sort of judgment against him. There's going to be something poured out on him that he's going to have to endure. We recognize that when we gather at the table, when we identify in drinking the cup, what that cup cost Jesus. And he said, are you able to do that? Sure we can. And they've missed it again. But you know what I find interesting in Jesus' answer? Is that he affirms them. You and I have a good understanding of what it is for Jesus to be able to sit on the throne that he has ascended into heaven now because he has fully paid the cost at his own life after a life of full, complete obedience to his Father and rejection by everybody. Do you think you can drink the cup that Jesus drank? They thought so. But Jesus says you will. I don't know how he said that. You know, when you, when you read texts or, or, or words on a paper, on a screen, whatever, it's hard to get um, the, the sense behind it sometimes. Because you could read that and, uh, do you know what you're asking for? Can you do all that? Oh, sure, we can. Oh, you will. You will. Like, well, I'll put you in your place. You'll see what it's... I don't know if it was like that. You could possibly read it that way. I tend to think that um, there's something behind this that Jesus is affirming the road that they're going to be on in a very uh, good way. Are you able to drink the cup and be baptized like I will be? You will. The reason he can say that is because he knows they're going to continue following. Although they'll have a, a moment of abandonment at some point, and, and out of fear they all leave him in his, in his greatest hour, he knows that he's going to restore them. He knows that he's going to give his Holy Spirit to them so that they will be able to do that. They could have never done it on their own. I don't think the words of Jesus are a condemnation against them. It's an affirmation of, you will continue to follow me. And that's going to cost Jesus to do that as well. It's going to mean empowering by the Holy Spirit to be able to follow because I can't. I can't do that on my own. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me, so everything that He lays out for me to do, I can because He gives me strength. 
And so when Jesus says, you will, he makes clear to them, that's the pathway for you as well. The life of a disciple is not about position or power. The disciples want to follow Jesus and they recognize his power and authority and they want that as well. And Jesus said, that's not what my position, my place here is about. He has all authority. He has all power. What he's trying to reveal to them is how he came to accomplish that. In in, in doing that, by serving one another. He's already spoken to them about that. He sat down, he, he talked to them once before and um, when, when they were uh, going along the road, they were arguing with each other about who the greatest of them is. And so Jesus gave them this correction. It's not about being great. Whoever wants to be greatest among you must be servant of all. And they didn't catch that. They didn't remember that. It's not about power. It's not about position. It's not about seeking for our own glory. Nor is it the opposite of that. It's not about remaining anonymous so nobody knows you're there and just quietly going through your existence as a follower of Christ and hoping that nobody notices. It isn't that either. That's never the call for a Christian either. The call for the Christian is to follow Jesus to do what Jesus did, to carry on the works that He started for us. Serving. And He set Himself as the example. Jesus always made sure He served whoever needed it, whoever was asking for it. And so He sets the example for them to follow. There have been two big, important questions in Mark's gospel so far that he brings to his disciples. First, it was uh, the, the, the less significant one that led up to the first, who do people say that I am? But that first significant one for them is, who do you say that I am? the disciples first needed to understand who Jesus is before they can figure out whether or not they would follow him. Who do you say that I am? And now, what do you want me to do for you? You and I need a clear picture of who Jesus is. And he's not mixing his words at all for his disciples. And he doesn't mix it for us either. As you continue through Scripture, you'll find out that Jesus is very clear about things. And the disciples pick up the task of carrying on his teaching and they make, uh, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, uh, they bring more clarity to that in the practical everyday lives of the people. Once you understand who he is, you need to answer the question, what do you want me to do for you? If you understand who Jesus is and you see the road that was marked out before him and who 
for everything that was set before him, he didn't worry about what the cross would cost him because there was something greater yet for him to have being seated back again with his father. We understand who Jesus is. We understand that he makes it clear what he expects from us. And so when the king of the universe asks you the question, the one who has all power, all authority, who sits with his father, who owns the cattle on a thousand hills, whose resources are limitless, and when he gives them, he hasn't depleted anything. When this Jesus asks you, what do you want me to do for you? How would you respond? Let's pray. Jesus, we're asking for insight uh, into these words. We're asking that your Holy Spirit would take these words that we have heard and, and mold them into us. We're asking that the, the word that you have put forth before us this morning would have its full effect on us, that it would not return void to you. And as each of us wrestle with that question in our lives, what would we want you to do for us? Uh, give us greater insight as to how to answer that. Not the short-sightedness of his disciples at the time. We ask, Father, that you would grant us uh, clarity of mind to see our own circumstances, not just, not just in the day, but as we look further down the road, because all of our aches and pains, our, our ills and everything else, all of the circumstances in this world, all of those will one day be taken care of. But to finish the race well is to look beyond our circumstances, to minister in our circumstances, to keep focus of your kingdom ahead of us. And so may we answer wisely. Give us what we need, not so that we have more of something uh, that we can possess, but may the answer to that question be something that we could receive from you that would allow us to serve and follow your example. And so, Holy Spirit, I ask, as this word has been planted in us, that you would bring it back to our minds over and over and over again in each new circumstance that we find ourselves in that we may answer that question, what do you want me to do for you today for the good of God's kingdom and for the betterment of the mission that you have put before us? Help us to wrestle with that and give us wisdom in our answer. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.